Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Unfinished, for making this episode possible. Unfinished is a full-stack Webflow design and development agency that helps companies at the startup and enterprise level build creative and innovative websites. Thank you to RR and the whole team for supporting the podcast, and now let's get back to the episode. So you can go whenever you'd like. All right. Hey, guys. My name is Jack Redley, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I'm a Webflower and the host of the Webflow Podcast. And right now, I'm on a bit of a mission to help Webflowers flow more and fail less. Perfect intro, first try. Look at you. <laughs> Thanks, that's very sweet of you. Um, well, I didn't want to mess up your your intro. I mean, this is there was high stakes there. <laughs> I try to leave it pretty, like the format pretty loose, and I like to see where people will take it. Still, one of my favorites was my friend saying, "I do this, I do that, and right now I'm learning how to sew." And another one of my friends was like, "Right now I just mop my floor," and so I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> It's kind of funny, like, way of doing it, though, because obviously anyone can kind of just say anything there, and then you've got to react to it. So it's kind of like, depending on the day, you know, someone might just be like, I'm just surviving right now, or whatever. And you're just like, okay, well, let's get into the podcast. But yeah, no, I really like the way it's quite open ended. And you can kind of, it's weird to be like, what do you do? Like, to even ask yourself that, because so many people say to me, oh, what do you do when you meet them for the first time? And you're kind mm -hmm. of like, well, I don't even know. I mean, I, I eat, eat, sleep, drink, just do all that stuff. And then I, are you asking job? Does job define who I am? You know, it's quite a, sorry, it went so deep just straight away. No, no, no. Why not? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I find it's quite a hard question to answer. I was actually watching this YouTube video about this guy that was living in San Francisco. He lived in California for 20 years, but he grew up in the Netherlands. He was talking about the difference between when he would talk with his friends here in America versus talking with his friends back home. And he said talking with his friends here was like, whenever people talk to you, it's hi, what's your name and what do you do? Like, that's so normal. And he said like with his friends back home where he grew up, like you could have super long conversations and never talk about work. Yeah. I've been trying to basically talk about work less. Like I want to ask people, get to know them beyond their work because I think I used to just be like oh that's what you're meant to do hi how are you what do you do or whatever <laughs> that kind of a phrase of question so yeah. what do you do for work is what like someone my parents generation would would ask kind of first question but it's nice to just say how's life going type question <laughs> it's just like tell me about you actually I find a really good opener if you're if you're trying to chat to someone who you're just it's like pushing an elephant up a hill you know they're just not really it's quite hard and you're like okay I found a really good question is just to say, if you were on a desert island, if I banished you on a desert island, what is the one thing you would bring? Because that question immediately gets to the thing that they really have a buzz about in life. Like some people might be like, I'd bring, you know, uh, an iPod or I'd bring like, I don't know, an Xbox or I'd bring like a microphone. I, actually, that'd be a really weird thing to bring. But you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd bring like, yeah. I don't know, Lady Gaga or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> and, and then you're like, okay, so then you can actually get to the nuts and bolts of how that person works. And I don't know, it's a lot more interesting, I find. I think my American answer would just be medicine. <laughs> 
So you're a very quite like logical person, I'd say. You're quite like pragmatic. You know, you think through what you would actually need on the desert island. But a lot, most people I ask that question to, they they don't think, oh, I might die. Really? Because I'm on a desert island and I'm going to (laughs) need, you know, a spear or something. They actually just think, yeah, what's going to be good to pass the time on the beach? (laughs) But fair point. You probably would need medicine, I guess. Yeah, I think I've spent like just too much time sick in my life that I was just like, it's it's the first thing that came to my mind before anything, before a book, before anything. Wow. Okay, that's so interesting. I mean, do you, like, do you mind talking about it? What 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 happened? <laughs> when I was a child, I was sick a lot, and I I got asthma from that. Um, and so I had to spend like a lot of my life watching uh, cartoons while on a, a nebulizer which is that that like gas mask that they put on kids face and then you pretty much you're like vaping steroids to make your lungs work better. I just spent a lot of time dealing with like pain and then when I was in college I got really sick and they put me on antibiotics and it just like I kept on getting sicker and sicker. And so um now like I know uh, how to take care of myself and and how to not get sick but like yeah that that was the first thing on my mind um like I would need to be able to take care of myself. Yeah, it's a very deep answer as well. <laughs> like right off the bat in the beginning right of the podcast. The bat, we're getting straight into the <laughs> But that's what that question does. It kind of opens up people to to actually, you know, get beyond the what do you do uh, question. Yeah. And yeah, so point proven, guys. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to write that one down. But uh, I'm sorry to hear that though, Emily. I hope you're, I mean, you seem very healthy talking to you now on Zoom, so I'm glad that you're... I'm doing so much better than I was, like, a couple of years ago. Okay, well, that's... Hey, great. <laughs> glad to hear that, but still maybe need medicine for the desert island, so... <laughs> yeah, swings and roundabouts. What about what about you? What would you bring to the desert island? So, since I've asked this question a lot... Yeah? And I kind of, like, will bounce off ideas from... I'll steal other people's ideas, mm-hmm. but right now, if you're asking me this... I think what I'd really, really love is, you know, those now CDs, like, I don't know if you had them in the States, but they had like, now 50, now 51, now 52, they could like go with like the tracks from, you know, whatever year. And they, I'm pretty sure they just have them every year. Well, there was this album I had now 71 that I had like on repeat when I was a kid. So I think I just like that CD. And obviously something to listen to the songs also would just be a bit annoying, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, though I just like those tracks before I, you know, pass out from heat exhaustion and <laughs> stuff and just die listening to whatever, you know, bangers that are on that album. What um, bangers were on that album? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Because if you think about the, like the noughties and then like the 2000s. The Noughties. I mean, I was like, this is so what I was, I was born in 96. And then I got the album from my older brother. So I had like a lot of his music as well. So it was like some, some bangers from, yeah, 90s, 2000s. I mean, there's like, you know, bad gal Riri on there. (laughs) You know, when she was in a prime, I mean, she's obviously in a prime now as well. Sorry for any Riri fans that are listening. But you know, like, she was in an era. Yeah, she was like proper sass. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of R and B on there as well. Um, yeah, a lot of Chris Brown. I mean, 
Chris Brown's, you know, speaking about Riri and then talk about Chris Brown. That's a bit awkward, but uh, early, early Chris Brown, I, you know, good songs. I'm just, if I'm separating the songs yeah. from, from the guy, they're catchy. Yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of killers, killers on there. You mm-hmm. know, like classic, just terrible club. Like there's a lot of memories on that yeah. on those songs. So I think I'd just like to have those. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. yeah, pretty pretty random, but that's me. I had a um Carrie Underwood uh, CD that I like coveted when I was um probably twelve or something like that. Oh, banger. <laughs> I remember uh, I would have um like kids don't have that now, but I used to have like a a folder of all these CDs. Um, and I would also yeah. have like those so books good. of movies as well. Yeah. Um, and you'd just be able to go through them. We had this little um little TV that we would hook onto the different neck support of the driver chair and the passenger seat chair. Yeah, it's just like the the headboard of that. And so we would uh hook this little TV onto those two, and my sisters and I would watch um movies like in car rides and stuff like that, like long road trips and stuff. We would have this this binder of like Shrek and all of the Barbie movies and everything like that. It was a real era, I think, that we grew up in. <laughs> I think it's like, I, I know maybe like every single generation says this, but like the childhood films, music. I watched Mulan the other day. Yeah. Mulan? Yeah. How good? <laughs> like... I just, like, I know, like, graphics and stuff have got a lot better. And if you watch, like, a recent, you know, cartoon or whatever, it's not, it's, I don't know if it's even a cartoon. I'm like, whoa, that looks so real. But, um, <laughs> yeah, music and just the story and, yeah, gets me. Gets me right in the feels. And since we're talking about childhood and uh, being a kid and everything, um, I want to ask you my favorite question, which is, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an inventor. Mm. I made, um, I, I tried to make this bike, which was called the Redley, which is not, <laughs> not an original name because um, for anyone that's listening and hasn't, hasn't got there yet, my name's Jack Redley. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so it was like a three-wheel bike that had, um, it had an oven on it and it had, um, like it had a drinks, <laughs> a drinks, uh, like cool drinks, um, decanter, and it had um, space for people to sit on it and stuff. And I actually tried to make it in uh, in the garden. We, I like got some wood and, and my dad helped. Um, and yeah, I was just always trying to make, make stuff. I wasn't very good at making stuff, just to be clear. Um, but yeah, I was always, I was pretty keen on on drawing designs i have my mum has kept the design of this redley really like yeah um and it obviously it's just you know scribbles but um it's kind of her to have kept it and uh and yeah i think i just wanted to make stuff that was i don't think i really knew what an inventor was but i was just very keen to explore stuff i guess yeah what was um the purpose of the oven on the bike? Well, I don't know if you can tell from looking at me, Emily, but I love food. So <laughs> I yeah, wanted to 
to ride while eating, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that was probably how my like, you know, 10 year old mind worked. Uh, just thinking about food and fun, uh, like <laughs> cycling, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think from that, I was always quite keen to like design stuff. And I know a lot of people have said this on your, on your podcast, but I think a lot of, um, yeah, I really wanted to to design stuff, but also make stuff hopefully that other people liked, uh, or I could bring to other people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, quite entrepreneurial, trying to sell sweets on the bus at school. Yeah. Busted by Mr. <laughs> Southgate. Um, and then I tried to start a t-shirt company and I was like, I wanted to combine it with music. So I was it was called Prime Originals. It was it was not it was not good, not a good idea. Um, but yeah, I was trying to design clothes that I was going to give to musicians to wear on stage. And the idea was that I was trying to like give my brand like a kind of cool music branded entity. Um, and I filmed a, a like an advert for it where my barber. Uh, was really good at dancing so we filmed like a music video while he was wearing the t-shirts um yeah like i guess uh i've yeah been trying to make stuff and have failed at making stuff for as long as i can remember basically so yeah a lot of people um uh try out a bunch of stuff before they they find the thing that works for them like that's i've noticed that like with with uh serial entrepreneurs and things like that they're like, okay, well, my first four companies didn't work out well, but my fifth worked out, and and, and yeah. now I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling very grateful and and happy, and I learned a lot from the last four experiences, and I wouldn't have changed a thing because I wouldn't have that information now. Yeah, a hundred percent. I've had so many things start and and then fail, um, and I feel like only now with the response that's happening with with webflail actually that that i'm like starting to get some momentum and people are actually like oh yeah this is helpful that's the kind of first time that that's that's really happened in the way that it has recently um which is which is insane it's awesome to finally make something and be like i've made this thing well does anyone care and then people actually do care type thing um you know that that's a really nice feeling how old were you during the t-shirt band? Oh, I was 15 doing that. So I was doing, fifth. yeah, at 15, I was trying to sell t-shirts at school and stuff. And obviously everyone was like, this is, you know, this is not cool. And I don't want to be part of it. But there was this guy called Rafe who bought a t-shirt. Shout out to Rafe. I haven't spoken <laughs> to him in years. Hope he's doing well. And he wore it to a festival. He wore my t-shirt to a festival. and uh, And he got really drunk and the, the, it was raining at this festival and his t-shirt was so muddy and this picture of Rafe went viral like wearing my t-shirt because he looked just off his face at this festival and it was kind of like memeified. really um, yeah it was like well it was sent between our friends and like friendship group and then like yeah. loads and loads of people saw this t-shirt and it had like the brand it had like a huge logo of this like Illuminati ripoff thing that I made <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh yeah that was the end of the the end of prime originals for the best i may say because I, I don't think i'd really fully thought it through i've still got some t-shirts upstairs embarrassingly really 
Yeah. Yeah. Can't, couldn't shift them after the Rafe incident. <laughs> but yeah. And then I made, um, what was the next thing? At uni, I did uh, a, tried to do like a YouTube channel where I was filming musicians, like who were just students because a friend, he was trying to break into the music industry and was finding it really hard. And I thought, oh, well, if there was like a platform where, you know, musicians, um, you know, all did covers or did their own music and we filmed it in different locations, then maybe we could make like a cool video that would help promote their work. Um, so yeah, did that. And also at uni tried to set up a, um, <laughs> it was called house jam. It was basically renting out, uh, speakers and lights to uni students to put mm-hmm. on their own like nightclub events and also big house parties. Um, because a lot of parents were like, well, we don't really want you to have the party at our home home. So we'll just give you some money to put on a 21st in your student house and you can just mm-hmm. do whatever you want with it. So yeah, on kind of Thursdays, well, it was normally Fridays actually, but Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, I was kind of like either dropping off speakers or collecting speakers. And, uh, and that was the worst business idea ever because um, students are one pretty unreliable two, pretty stingy. Fair enough. And, um, and three, you know, I was working on, quite social nights which mm. wasn't really ideal um and oh, i had this sure. tesco trolley and i used to deliver the speakers by foot using this tesco trolley that i'd found in the front drive of another student's house you mean like a shopping cart yeah like a supermarket trolley. <laughs> like i just went around i went around the student area i'm probably that weird guy that people may <laughs> may or may not have seen just like with speakers and i had this like anorak like cover thing that just went over them yeah i remember the police there was a police car that was just parked by the side of the road and i was just wheeling down um with these speakers like (laughs) you know under this plastic cover thing with a trolley and um the policeman just asked me if i was all right because (laughs) i think they thought i was homeless and um i was really worried because to to you know deliver speakers to a student house um the police often get noise complaints and stuff. And I was like, yeah, fine. Just, just wheeling, wheeling around my trolley. Don't worry. Not homeless, but I can't show you what's under here. Um, So yeah, then that failed and yeah, failure, failure, failure. That's my whole, that's my jam. That's ironically how Webflail has had a bit of traction, I guess. What I wanted to ask you, what's the thought between, uh, like choosing the word flail so actually it's it's not nearly as exciting an answer as you probably want me to say but no um, no, no. it's web flow and failure and then oh. it was like i was thinking web failure and then i was just like web flailia and then it was web flail and the other nice thing about the word flail though i think is that the word fail is, I think a lot of people that are successful don't really like the word failure because it kind of suggests that there's been a, a start and an end. Mm. And there's kind of, it was a fail as in, 
you know, that's kind of it. And it's like, oh God, it's such a failure. Or I feel, you know, when people say, oh, I feel like such a failure or whatever, mm-hmm. it kind of hides the fact that they're probably doing something that's really hard and they're learning from it. And that gives them, um, it grows their comfort zone, which means that they can, they're more comfortable taking on more risk. And as a result, um, you know, they've, they've grown a lot from their mistakes and, and it's not really a failure unless you do it twice in a row, maybe type thing. So flail is a, like a softer way of getting people to share their vulnerabilities, I guess. So yeah, that's kind of how it all came about. What do you think about when people say the phrase fail fast or like iterate a lot and fail fast? They're like, it's almost the thought of uh, the, the failures are going to happen. You just got to get them out of the way. Just, just keep going. It's like you're anticipating it with the understanding that it's totally normal. Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this because <laughs> um, my little brother he edits the, he edits my podcast. Yeah, and we were we were talking about this um, because he's about to end end university, and he's like, Jack, I don't know what to do. Like, what you know, all my friends are trying to get grad schemes, and I kind of feel like that's what I should be doing. And then um, you know, I'm thinking about freelancing, and that seems interesting, but I'm scared and stuff, and. I kind of think as long as you're taking steps and moving forward, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, naturally not every step you take is going to be the right one, but at least you're moving forward. And if you take the wrong step and you fail or you mis- you know, make mistakes or stuff, at least you're learning, you know, what the right direction is for you from that experience. And I kind of think the same is true for, um, entrepreneurship or or freelancing or anything like to be a scared to be afraid of messing up it means that you're kind of in analysis paralysis mode Mm. if you don't take any step if you don't take action because you're scared of making a mistake then well then it's kind of hard to to move forward to a certain extent i i think so so yeah i really resonate with um you know taking small bets on yourself and not all of them are going to work and not all of the steps you take are going to be the right steps. And that is fine uh, in my, in my head. Um, I think it's so important to, to just at least take a step, you know, just like go towards what you think it you're meant to do. And um, yeah, I think have, have less of a, an end goal as it were, because that, might not necessarily be the end goal that you actually want to achieve. I think it's better to have a compass direction of, um, yeah, your goals and intents and then try and move towards that. Um, but, but don't be afraid of, of messing up or taking the wrong step or realizing that the compass direction is the wrong one, but just try and move forward and, and things, things will happen and that's okay. Good and bad. I don't know. That's that's my opinion. Sorry, that was really rambly. I hope that was okay. No, yeah. It sounds like the way to kind of calm yourself down when you're in that weird anxious analysis paralysis is um, to think about, okay, well, what is this worst case scenario? Like, what if Mm. everything went wrong? And then just being okay with that. I know that there's like this certain type of anxiety. I don't know what it's called, but like where you think you're going to do something bad and you know you have no interest in doing that but like you 
are so focused on, oh my gosh, am I going to say this bad word? Or am I going to do this wrong thing? Or this thing that's very delicate that I'm holding, what if I just threw it on the ground? Like, I know, I know I don't want to do that, but now I can't stop thinking about the fact that I might be able, might do that. Uh, somebody told me that the way to just relax is to just kind of not put too much effort and energy into that thought and just go, you know what, if it happens, okay. I'll, I'll live. I'll move on. I don't know. And and it's just, it's so freeing. I know it's such a simple thought, but like, am I making any sense in the way that I'm talking about that? Yeah, definitely. I think we naturally think of the worst case scenario more so than the best case scenario. And we're mm-hmm. making decisions based off of what we fear more than reality. Um, and yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. Like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, it's kind of not the worst, you know, it's not even that bad. Like you're going to carry on and you're going to, um, yeah, keep moving. So I feel like it's better to focus on what's the best case that can happen. Like, you know, for example, a couple of nights ago, we did this, um, Webflow meetup in London Mm -hmm. and there was so much stuff that could have gone wrong. (laughs) Like, and some of it Tell did me. go wrong. Oh my god! Like I want to hear all about your week. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's really kind of you. I think a lot of stuff um, kind of came together on the night in a very uh, haphazard way. Mm-hmm. That frankly, like I was so lucky. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was good. I mean, like for example. I had to, I got um, a drinks order delivered and I got pizza orders delivered. And, um, you know, if either of those didn't turn up, there'd be loads of people that thought they were going to get food and drink that just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like, I just hope this works and let's just make it out. And I literally ordered them both on the day. And I was like, I just hope that these things come. Um, and then the sound didn't work just before the event. The speakers, didn't work. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to go and buy an aux cord and, and stuff. And luckily we got them working while people like the first people had arrived and it was just a silent room. And I was like, Oh my God and stuff. And there was a lot of stress to, you know, organizing event. But the point of what I'm trying to say is that like, I could have sat at home and thought it would be cool to organize event. Yeah, but that's going to be so stressful. I don't want to do that. Um, rather than think, Hey, like, how cool would it be if there was just a load of web flows all in one room who may have only met on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever? And how cool would it be if we just got them all in a room and just focus on that as the key, um, you know, upside win of making kind of a big risk, I guess, and and just putting putting myself out there, I guess. So, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more like. I kind of fuck it, just do it person than, mm-hmm. um, than like an overthinker. And sometimes I, that does come around to bite me. Like, I'm just like, fuck it, let's do it. And then it's like, oh my God, this is way harder than I thought. Um, but <laughs> that's kind of how I operate now. So how did the, how did the idea start uh, that, hey, one, I would love for there to be a meetup uh, in London. And two, I want to host it. And three, oh my God, I'm actually going to do this. Let's go for it. How did that happen? 
I should probably rewind. I worked for a guy called Max Haining, who runs this thing called 100 Days of No Code. Mm-hmm. And me and him went to uni together and we've been friends. And he set up um, 100 Days of No Code. And he does these amazing cohort-based courses. And he has this big Slack community. And um, I got such a buzz just being around people that were making stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, this guy is doing cool stuff. And that was that was a couple of years ago. Um, but then, um, obviously, you know, got, getting into Webflow and um, the the conference happening in San Francisco, I was like, that's so cool, but that's so far away. And there's nothing, as far as I knew, um, there's nothing for, you know, Webflowers um, in Europe. And obviously, um, a lot of people in the UK who are doing Webflow are in London. And so I was like, okay, let's try and do a meetup in in London. And last September we did we did that. I tried to get the same kind of interesting people um that Max has in his community. And in fact Max actually came uh, last September to the first meetup. We literally just got pizza. I wanted to do something really low key and just get a load of people together. And just mm-hmm. kind of see how that would go. And that went really well. Um, we, yeah, we all had pizza. We all drank. We all went on a night out. And it was really funny. So I wanted to do that again. This time, though, um, but since I had feedback from the last one, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to have name tags because we don't want it to be cliquey. We want to have a venue which isn't, you know, in a restaurant. Because there was a lot of random people that were like, you know, kind of annoyed that we were so loud and trying to do like little talks and stuff. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it became the the meetup that it was a couple of days ago. Um, frankly, I never thought it would be um, as big as it was, but it kind of became a, a bigger thing. I there were a lot was. of people there. A lot of people yeah. flew in as well. Yeah, that was that was um, that was mental. A lot of pressure. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, my God, I hope they're flying in for the right reason. And, uh, and, and yeah, luckily, everyone had a good time, I think. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of interesting people chatting about all sorts of different things. And hopefully people will collaborate from it. Hopefully people now, um, you know, have, have a wider um, real-life friendship group of Webflowers in the UK and... Uh, and I think that's really important, this this in real life aspect, because, you know, hugging people makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't hug a Twitter avatar. <laughs> uh, you just can't do it. Twitter's yeah. amazing. I've met so many amazing people from that. But, um, you know, just letting conversation flow in a free way that you, you can have when you're just standing in front of someone. Uh, and that physical touch aspect. Um, you know, not saying that you need to, to, you know, hug every single person you meet, mm-hmm. but just having, um, yeah, that that real life connection just means that people can have a deeper a deeper friendship than they can just online. I think so. It was it was awesome. I'm still like on a kind of on a buzz after it, even two days yeah. later, even though I'm still kind of like emotionally drained. <laughs> uh, but it was yeah, it was amazing. It was awesome. 
I was getting texts from people that were there um, saying like, oh, my God, this was so fun. And then I was getting texts of like the recap afterwards. Like, OK, I'm so tired, but that was so fun. I'm so glad I went like it was so nice. And, and also um, different people that I've done podcasts with, they knew of each other from like obviously the community, but also because I would talk to each of them about each other. And then they met in person and they're like, you were right. He is such like a quality guy or like we got along so well and we do have a lot of things in common. And so it was nice to just like see my podcast friends meet up and then take photos together. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's it's so weird how um, the Webflow community kind of knows there's like a general I know you-ness to mm-hmm. um the webflow community like people are aware of each other um and then for them to actually meet in person like there were some hilarious meetings um there was a guy called thorir um from iceland he runs this studio called snowhouse studios and there's a, a friend called matt evans who has been doing some work with with um thorir and they had never met in real life but they've been working together talking for months maybe even mm-hmm. years i don't know and they met in real life at this event. <laughs> and it was so funny to see these people that had like chatted for so long, just yeah. actually meet in real life. Um, yeah. And there were so many kind of funny moments like that where, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of online to offline kind of, oh, you look just like your avatar. <laughs> and it was funny conversations, which are so 2023. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, it was it was amazing. It was it was good fun. And yeah, you you probably knew like every single person in the, in the photos. <laughs> I was zooming in on the on the group photos. I was like, I know yeah. you. I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's there were a lot of um, people that have been you know in the Webflow community and very vocal in the community online um, and offline. Actually, like people like Melissa Mendez, um, Joe Berry, and and stuff and then there were also people who were right at the start of their webflow journey um and it was so nice to have such an kind of eclectic group of people um some of whom are like hardcore webflow and others who are they've used webflow but maybe they're you know more familiar with other tools but still in the no code space and mm-hmm. yeah there's it was wild to have all those people in the same room and meeting um it was like I haven't had a birthday in years. I'm not a I'm not a big events organizer. Um, really? Yeah, like I'm really not that guy. Honestly, if you saw me like a week before the event, I was like, oh shit, we're gonna need uh, pizzas. Oh, I didn't really <laughs> like, honestly, it was like so lastminute.com. It was insane. And um yeah, I haven't had a birthday in years and it felt like, you know, the best birthday ever. So uh, it was it was awesome. What was it like waking up that morning? Well, I didn't, I didn't feel very well in the morning. I don't know why. Maybe it was the alcohol, but, uh. No, but no, yeah. like the morning before, oh, the morning like of, of the event. event. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the day after. Day after. Uh, day after. It's okay to be hungover. <laughs> That's okay to be hungover. Uh, you, you did all of your work. You can relax. Yeah. I'm kind of still hungover. I think I have to be <laughs> hungovers as an adult now. Uh, how was I feeling on the morning of? I was, yeah. I was, uh, Yeah pretty nervous to be honest mm-hmm. you know what i wasn't really nervous of any of the like things that could go wrong like i just talked about like the sound or any of that stuff yeah. it was actually just if anyone would turn up really <laughs> yeah i had this crazy weird like fear of 
I'd hyped up this event or I tried to hype up this event um, so much. And I was worried, is this just, have I just hyped this thing way too much? Mm. You know, um, like, have I tried too hard to make it sound amazing when it's a free event? And maybe as, you know, free events go, there's not necessarily the turnout that, you know, a paid event has and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, these people say they're coming, but I'm like, are they going to show? And I had, yeah, this kind of weird fear. Um, even though I, you know, people had said, you know, I'm arriving in Heathrow at whatever time and, and stuff. So I was mm-hmm. kind of like, it'd be really weird to say you're going to do that and then not come. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was more worried about that. So when people started arriving, mm-hmm. um, I chilled right out. I was like, okay, like the people who do Webflow are all coming into this room. And that is pretty much what this event is all about. Like it's a meeting and not a conference and, and the people need to, to be here for the meeting to happen. And now that's happening. I can kind of chill out. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big, a big relief <laughs> at six when everyone started arriving. What, what kind of host are you in my mind? There are like maybe multiple different types of hosts, but there's two that I have. It's like, the one host which is what my friend is um she uh will set up everything she puts so much thought into um like providing games and and doing stuff and make sure there's drinks make sure there's food like she works on her apartment for maybe like a day and a half beforehand and then like it's almost like the party can can like kind of exist whether she's there or not like uh, she like sometimes she'll just pop away for a second to go let somebody in through the apartment building door and then come back but like everybody's so comfortable with the environment that she made that like she doesn't need to keep it going and then uh, the other kind of host is is myself where i do the space but like for some reason i have this need to like make sure everybody feels included and so i'll be talking with one group and i'm like oh i haven't talked with these other people and so i'm kind of like popping through the whole party, kind of rotating through all the groups to make sure that people are introduced to everybody. And um, I like feel like I need to make everybody feel included and hosted. Um, So that's a very long question. But um, what do you think of that? See, I'm I'm not an events organizer. Like, this is the funny (laughs) thing. I don't know, kind of, I don't know what I'm doing, Emily. I don't know if there's a third option. I'm kind of just trying to meet everyone and just have a good have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not um I I, I honestly like I, this isn't like humble bragging or anything. It was insane that people enjoyed it as much as they did cuz honestly I was just like this is so disorganized. I mean the venue <laughs> the venue is amazing because mm-hmm. um you know there's a sound tech guy who helps set up the sound and the the venue itself was kind of like um, it had like an auditorium space and there were fridges that worked and all of the, and the kind of like logistic stuff that I don't like doing, mm-hmm. like was kind of dealt with. Nice. Yeah. So I just wanted to chat to people and kind of be at the party as like a person that attended the party. I know I was kind of the host, but I was also just like, I don't know. I just wanted to be at the party. I didn't want to be like organizing stuff, although I kind of needed to, but I kind of did that so haphazardly. I was really shocked that, um, yeah, it, it somehow worked out. I don't think I answered that question very well. No, no, yeah, you did, yeah. I mean, does that like, make it, sense? It, yeah, yeah, so w- what I'm hearing is, like, you're, like, at the same level as everybody there. 
Like, I'm just, I'm just one of the guests too. Maybe I'm the person that's like the reason this is happening, but like, I'm just trying to be on the same level as everybody else. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that with Webflare, actually, like just generally, like I'm more of a curator than a creator. Like I want to ask people who know way more than me, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you do what you do? So I can share that with people who are like me, you know, right at the start of their journey and vice versa with the Webflow event. I don't know how to organize a Webflow event. It might look like I do from the social media, like in the past couple of days, because people have been posting um, really wildly, like, you know, grateful posts. And it's so cool to like, have made something that people are like, yay, this event was good. Thanks, Jack. Like, that's wild to me. But, uh-huh. um, but it's because I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. With Webflow, I don't know how to do a podcast. With Webflow, mm-hmm. I'm still learning stuff. You know, with Webflow, I'm not a Webflow expert. Like, I'm not even that good. Mm. And so I'm more, I see myself as more of a curator of other people doing good stuff. Like, you know, Joseph Berry, um, Will Stogdell, Lizzie Curtis, like the people that were actually doing the speaking. I was like, you guys are good at what you do. You speak to those people. People, come to this venue. Let's <laughs> we'll have a drink and a piece of, you know, pizza. Like, yeah, I don't really know how to organize events. I just knew that I wanted to get a bunch of people together. And that's kind of how it haphazardly came about. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not actually very good at stuff, but I'm really passionate. And that pulls through, I think, sometimes. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best, but I'm consistent. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll do my best to make it happen type thing. Yeah. I think that that's, that's half of it like being passionate about something and being consistent, like you, you need that in order to really accomplish anything. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like, um, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm bad at like everything. I think I'm just not as good at technical stuff. Um, nearly as much as you need to be, to be like an events organizer. (laughs) I actually realized this, but you know, with this event, there was so much like, chaotic you know just stuff i didn't think through fully like um there were only 20 pizzas for over 100 people dumb uh <laughs> they were all margaritas and some people were vegans dumb so they had no food uh the pizzas ran out really quickly because i just put them in a big pile and i was like help yourself and i didn't really like think about people arriving late so they had no food mm. um leaving to the venue after the event like we went to this bar after the event and i said everyone follow this guy. And it turned out that guy was actually going to the station. So everyone got lost. And it was like so much stuff that kind of went. Really? Yeah. Like I'm not very good at um, the logistics side of life, just generally. Um, My accountant hates me, but (laughs) I just kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll be as try and put people who are good at stuff and, and help, help them to do what they do best. And actually, my older brother, he's really good at um, organizing events. He he does, mm-hmm. like he does events and DJ nights and stuff. So he hopefully is going to be way more involved in the next organizing event, like actually mm-hmm. doing this like logistics stuff that I talked about and how messy <laughs> you kind of, you know, there wasn't enough drinks, there wasn't enough food, that like the lighting was bad and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that he told me afterwards. I was like, I didn't even think about that. I was just like, thank God there's a bunch of people in a room who, you know, are getting on and there's some amazing speakers that hopefully people are going to learn from. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
God, this is very useful because there's been a lot of um, feedback from the event and I'm kind of talking it through with you, but Absolutely. I'm realizing more and more that, um, yeah, I'm not an events organizer, but I definitely want to facilitate another event and like mm-hmm. help, help, um, yeah, bring, bring people together, I guess. That's kind of the whole point of it. One more question about the, about that day. Um, uh, sometimes when I come back from events that I really was looking forward to, or the very last guest leaves my house and then I turn around and I look at my apartment that I need to clean. What was that like moment of clarity for you when you came home um, after everything? And you're like, wow, everything's done. Like everybody was there. It worked out like everything went well. What what was that thought for you when you came home? Oh, I was so relieved. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, there was so much stuff that, uh, yeah, could have gone wrong, like I said. One thing that I forgot to say about things that could have gone wrong, I bought a sign that was accidentally like the size of a lorry. It was enormous. It was like 10 (laughs) meters long. And I, I, I basically ordered the wrong size of sign. And I was so worried that the venue wouldn't be able to hang it up. Because I was like, there's no, I don't even know where the <laughs> hell we're going to hang. Ha, how are we even going to hang this sign? Um, there's, I, there's no like rope or I hadn't even thought anything through. Yeah. But yeah, that the venue were awesome and they kind of facilitated it. But yeah, I think um, when did I feel like the event kind of worked? I, I guess the um, after the event, when I came home and woke up the next day and saw my phone, I was like, wow, this worked out. <laughs> on like actually on the night, I was kind of relieved when people started arriving. But I was also then thinking, I hope everyone's having an all right time. Um, but then when I saw my phone the next day, um, there were loads and loads of really lovely messages from people. And um, yeah, just like an amazing uh kind of support for for doing an event like this, but also um yeah, more events to come. And people were like, yeah, I would definitely want to come to another one. And like Raymar um, said on Twitter that he was like, book me in for the next one. And there's like, you know, that type of a message is is wild Mm -hmm. to receive. So yeah, I guess that was when I was like, okay, this was not only um, worth doing um, because people actually got out of it what I hoped they would, but Mm -hmm. also we should definitely do this again. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, let me know. <laughs> all right. Hey, that's amazing that after telling you about all my fuck-ups, you're just like, yeah, let me know. I definitely want to be involved in that. <laughs> Absolutely. And like Absolutely. I think I think another thing that um is really cool is like I I didn't uh realize how difficult it is for some people to come to WebflowConf because of the whole visa situation. I remember I was in Eastern Europe over last summer. And um, I was talking with one of my friends and he was like, listen, I would love to go to WebflowConf. I would love to go to a meetup or something. But just like the time and the financial um, uh, commitment that I would have to make in order to get both myself and some people on my team to California is just insane. We have to do things here. And I'm sure there are so many people in that situation where like if they lived in America, it'd be easy for them to go to California. But like because of just the visa situation with their country in the US, it's like not really an option for them. Yeah. And I think and credit to Webflow, by the way, because they sponsored the event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they they really wanted 
this event to happen as much as as much as I did, um, because you know there are a lot of webflows outside the US that um, they they haven't had um, you know real life meetups in the same way that obviously the the conference um, facilitated. Admittedly, you know, London is not that easy to get to from Eastern Europe. Yeah, and and actually, there was a guy called Uros there from Serbia who who came. And I think he was the furthest in Europe that came. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it would be awesome to see more real life um, meetups across across the world. I I think Webflow is really um, expanding though, because obviously the user base was generally in the the states. I mean, it's still I think the kind of majority of the users of Webflow are there, but um, it's definitely. I mean, there's no way a hundred. Webflowers would have necessarily, you know, we I don't think we would have had as many people at that event if it was only two years ago. Say, I, I think it's it's spreading, spreading fast. So it's it's going to be awesome. I think in a few years' time there'll be events all over. That's what I hope. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that'll give me a bunch of excuses to go visit my my international Webflow friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, also like I'm uh, I'm actually about to move to France. Really. And yeah, very random. I am kind of in a bit of a transitionary phase. I was living in uh, Newcastle and have moved home for a little, little bit, but I'm about to move to to France because I have nieces and nephews that are French and I can't really speak to them right now and I'd really like to be able to. Anyway, the plan is to move to France and then Spain and move around a little bit as a kind of really not a traveling per se i'd like to live like a month in each different place like kind of live but slow mad i think is the the cringest cringest phrase you could possibly say but i've just said it so maybe that makes me insane (laughs) Um, but yeah there's where am i going with this basically what i'm saying is there's more and more web flowers in different countries the more i um kind of explore because i'm thinking oh it'd be great to meet up with different people um and there's uh vincent in la rochelle um, mm-hmm. and there's a few other web flowers that i think would be awesome to meet in france in spain in barcelona there's Arnaud ross um mm-hmm. you've interviewed haven't you yeah yep. you, I, yeah i yeah. think vincent as well right uh not vincent yet i can oh, add okay. him to a to a potential oh, no, he list was, he was on the overflow <laughs> podcast sorry mm. um and yeah, there's there's loads of awesome people that just by saying, hey, I'm moving here, people have been like, hey, I do Webflow, let's meet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's wild to to see how many people there are all over all over the world that, yeah. that are using Webflow. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. You know, if you come to Europe, you're going to be, you're going you, you're to have places to stay all over. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool. Yeah, 100%. There's no yeah. doubt. I mean, I thought it would be really cool to do like a kind of a Webflow Airbnb, you know, like mm. couchsurfing. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be cool if you made couchsurfing for like all Webflowers so you could just meet, you know, there's a lot of people. Um, the more I talk to people, uh, like talk to people at the event about potentially moving to France and around they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've thought about doing the same thing. So I think there are quite a lot of people who are working mm. from their laptop. All they need is internet, and they're not really tied to, geographically to their work. So yeah. 
maybe there could be some kind of Webflow Airbnb or couchsurfing type thing. Yeah. Cool. I am uh, um, I'm thinking about doing one of those like month long trips in the fall. Um, and so we'll Whereabouts? see. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've been looking at Italy. Um, and I think that would be very, very cool. That would be um, awesome. But yeah, I, I have, um, an invitation, uh, from somebody, uh, at like at some point in the fall, um, in like a different part of Europe, but I'm like, well, if I'm going to be there anyway, might as well like be there for a month, spend most of it in, um, in Italy and then go and, and visit this person. Um, awesome. so yeah. yeah, I feel like there's so many, um, incredible like people to meet and, and, um, yeah, learn from one all over. And there's, there's also like more and more, um, Webflow is doing YouTube channels, which mm-hmm. is kind of how I first become aware of different, um, yeah, like different language speaking channels as well. So Carlos Sepulveda, he's in Colombia. Yep. And, um, he has a Spanish speaking, uh, Webflow channel. And then through the Webflow cafe as well with, um, Florencia and Edgar Allen have basically sponsored it. Um, I've met so many cool, like Spanish speaking web flowers. Yeah. And, ah, it's just, yeah, I'm so excited. I love, yeah, the, the kind of broader community of people that I think in our little, you know, Anglophone Twitter sphere, we might yeah. be aware of. There's so many interesting people to meet. Can we talk about that? Because like when I was uh, researching you, um, like as I researched everybody before episodes, I found a episode of you speaking Spanish. Uh, and I, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what is going on? And then I like went through your LinkedIn and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy was in Peru. And like, this is what he studied in college. And like, he, he speaks Portuguese and Spanish. And like, wh- I, this is a whole side of you I didn't know at all. Yeah. <laughs> tell, can you tell me about that and like wh- where this this uh came from to want to study that in school and i'm just really fascinated yeah sure so i studied spanish and portuguese at um at university but i wanted to study uh spanish well i actually went on a spanish exchange mm-hmm. when i was 15 and my spanish exchange's girlfriend was the most attractive uh, woman I'd ever seen. And obviously I couldn't speak to her at all because, well, one, I'm English and can't speak Spanish. But two, I was so awkward. And, you know, I, I went to an all-boys school and I literally, I, you know, had no friends who were girls until I was 18, let alone, you know, being attracted to someone and trying to speak to them. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, okay, next time I go to Spain, next time I come back to Spain, I want to be able to speak Spanish. So I went back to school and did GCSE Spanish. Wow. And then did A-level Spanish and then did Spanish and Portuguese at university. And then at university, and I took a year out before that actually, and I lived in Peru because I ran out of money while I was traveling and I had to, I basically volunteered on this farm slash like kayaking um, experience place. And I learned Spanish there actually more so than university or anywhere else I lived because I literally couldn't speak anything else other than Spanish uh, or I wouldn't have eaten. <laughs> like I needed to, you know, express myself. To, yeah. But just had no um, English skills at all. So 
that was a really, really formative experience. Then I went to university. Pretty stupid, in my opinion, to go to um, an English university to study languages because mm-hmm. you're in England. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bit like learning to swim without ever getting in a in water. Like it's a you know trying to learn Spanish and Portuguese in the northeast of England, where frankly I don't even understand the English. Um, was 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 pretty was pretty <laughs> stupid, but you know during that university course I got to spend six months in Spain, six months in Sao Paulo, wow, Cadiz so in the south of Spain, and then um, six months in Sao Paulo, both at university, and that was amazing, and I met a lot of interesting people there, and I think that was probably quite formative for my personality, where I was just like. Okay, just do it. Let's just go yeah. and talk to these random people because you kind of do that when you learn languages. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't really speak at all. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of the whole point. Um, and then, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, and then I moved to Porto straight after university and tried to freelance straight out the bat, which was so dumb because I had no skill set or contacts or anything and i was just living in porto trying to walk into like a portuguese bakery and be like hey can i offer you a website hola oh samuel jack and stuff and they were just like i have no idea who the fuck you are get out (laughs) um and then yeah i guess after living in porto came back to england but had a lot of friends who were spanish or portuguese and kept in contact and then yeah went on the webflow cafe podcast which was hilarious experience and really hard because I was not good I'm really rusty with Spanish and also like you know UI UX design like explain like trying to yeah vocab that was just lacking yeah Um, Florencia was just lush to talk to because she was so like like she slowed down her Spanish for me and stuff and and everyone was super friendly but um but yeah would really like to um get more fluent again and that's part of part of this whole moving abroad thing as well so what was the thought process behind that first study abroad program like when you went to spain for the first time at 15 are you talking about when i was when i was 15 yeah um i don't really know i think my parents were just like you need to get out of the house let's send (laughs) you to a to live with a family and um i think i was quite keen to travel at that time as well Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just live with this family, and I still speak to the guy Juan. He's lush. He's a really nice guy. Um, yeah. I'll see. I'll visit him. He lives in Madrid, so I'm going to visit him on this weird slow mad journey that I'm about to embark on. Can, can I ask you what what lush means? Oh, uh, <laughs> lush means great or cool. Oh, okay, like, it's like uh, quality. Yeah, quality. Yeah, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know why I say it as much as I do. I think it's probably. Like you might describe food as lush, be like, mm. "Oh, it's lush," but yeah, that so it's so I don't know, it tastes nice or that's nice or lush city. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can. It's it's just I guess it's like a synonym for good mm-hmm. or great, great maybe. Yeah. Did you grow up traveling a lot, or did you spend most of your childhood in the UK? Yeah, I live well. I grew up in a small town where I'm actually at right now. This little town called Henley, which is near London. Oh, um, there's a rowing race yeah. in Henley. Yeah. How do you know that? That's <laughs> wild that you know that. 
Yeah. Um, I, I did rowing in, in college. And uh, no okay. our, our top boats would go to Henley. Um, we'd alternate between the women going and the men going every year. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So yeah. we actually, wait, what university did you go to? Uh, Drexel in Philadelphia. Drexel Dragons. Yeah, yeah. How Shut do you know that? Up. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, so basically, I should explain why I know that. That's really funny. <laughs> I have a Drexel Dragons t-shirt upstairs. What? Drexel, yeah, Drexel <laughs> came to stay. So in Henley, the during the regatta so for yeah. anyone that doesn't know about oh, yeah because <laughs> right, yeah, we're just talking and they're probably like, what the hell are they talking about so there's this um rowing event that happens every summer henley is on a river called the thames yeah and people meet every summer to row at this at this at this event i don't really know anything about rowing but i know that this happens because i live here <laughs> Fair. And so um Basically, loads of people in Henley rent out rooms in their house to uh, host different universities. And Drexel Dragons came to stay with us. Um, what year? Ago. Probably like five, six years ago. No, maybe longer, actually, because I was a Longer. School. Okay. Yeah, it must have been like over eight years ago, I'd say. Oh, okay. Like, then I wouldn't know them. But yeah, I distinctly remember... The Drexel Dragons coming to stay. This guy called Lane Cobb. Um, Lane Cobb. I, I don't know why you would know him. I mean, I imagine the university is pretty big. I know that last name. That's wild. Wait, imagine. Wait. There's this guy. Wait. I remember him really well because he said he said the phrase "popper squat," and I had no idea what he what he meant. I, he was like, I'm "Just gonna pop a squat," and I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." But I thought oh he was gonna God. do press ups or something. But yeah. Drexel Dragons came to stay with us, so that's really funny. Wait, okay. I'm going to just take one second. I'm going to look this guy up on LinkedIn, see if I know him. Uh, Lane Cobb. I can't, yeah, it's, nothing's popping up. He either doesn't have a LinkedIn, or maybe that's not the right last name. But, um, it's yeah. It's with double B. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I looked mean. up. Okay. But that is hilarious that, like, people from my team stayed in your childhood home. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they they were they were in this room a few years ago watching TV and stuff. So yeah, weird. That's so um, funny. But we've had like loads of random teams uh, come and stay over the years, and it was cool because um, you know it's it's quite a weird experience to have like six foot five athletes just you know in your house for a yeah. couple of weeks. But it was quite fun. I remember we used to like I don't know play. American football and garden and, stuff and you know, like do yeah, just chat to them about about their life and stuff. Um and my little brother actually he he did he did row and he he Yeah. Um I think he was really inspired by them uh coming each year. So so yeah, yeah. very random. I should I should explain what Papa Squat means. Oh yeah, I actually did. <laughs> yeah. Papa squat means just like to to squat down and or like to sit without really touching the floor um, or it's kind of like just to sit down. So like, uh, I don't know if if you wanted to show a bunch of kids, oh, this would be a good example. Um, like if you're going to read a bunch of kids, a um, uh, a children's book, um, you might tell them like, OK, how about everybody pop a squat over here um, and we're going to read. I don't know. Dr. Zeus. Dr. Seuss, yeah, something like that, yeah. So, like, it's kind of just means, like, to sit down or, or to, yeah, to squat. 
it's yeah. not too crazy. crazy like <laughs> but, but I, I mean, heard the first time when they came. Yeah, stuff. but yeah, go. You go deep on. I forgot how <laughs> how big you are on research. Like <laughs> you went deep. Okay. But but anyway, so you said like you you grew up in Henley and any uh, travel when you were a little kid, any places that were influential to you? I mean, I have I have uh, French cousins, mm-hmm. so went to go to France um, kind of every other year since I was very young. I've been yeah. going to France, so yeah, I'd say that's probably the the like. I mean, it's not very far, but <laughs> it was um, yeah. the country that I probably know best that's outside the UK. When I was eighteen, I did. Um, I think that this is quite common in the UK. I'm not sure if it is generally, but before university, um, some people might take a year out before and they'll like work as a waiter for six months and then they'll travel for off, you know, until their money runs out for the next six. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was a really formative time because, um, did a lot of like random stuff because I was running out of money. So I hitchhiked and there was a lot of like, weird experiences during that time which i think gave me a bit of a travel bug when i was like 18 did a lot of interrailing as well where you like you know buy one of those cheap train tickets that are like yeah that give you like 10 journeys you can go for like you pay for like i don't know 300 euros or something and then you can do just 10 train rides across europe and that was that was really cool as well when i was 17 uh, yeah around then 17 you're in high school yeah. Yeah. Six, End six, of four. high school. Yeah. Around there. So yeah. Guess guess I have I've done a little little bit of traveling. It's fun. I think that that's such a unique thing, at least to me. Like the willingness that you had in in college and in um high school to just go places that you've never been, like learn languages that were new to you and just interact with people that it's not easy to because you have to like bridge like cultural gaps you have to bridge language gaps and things like that and then just like making it work and then at at the end of it just like living on this farm in in peru or this like place and working there and total immersion that's something that is so different from my personal experience that i find it really interesting yeah, I, I've i never really thought about it like that, but yeah, maybe. I think in, um, I mean, England's like a rock on the edge of Europe. So <laughs> I think people do travel, like it's quite culturally common to like travel um, quite a lot. Maybe not to kind of live with families and stuff so much, but um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Henley's tiny, so I've been craving to leave, you know, for my whole <laughs> teenage years, right? And then um, I also went to a boarding school, which I don't know if anyone's listening who's been to a boarding school had the same experience, but, um, you know, you, you're kind of in the school and mm-hmm. that's your life. So when you're not in the school, you want to get, you want to get out and do stuff, um, you know, see, see, see the world. And, um, and yeah, I worked as a waiter. I've been doing like hospital, like I basically did hospitality jobs during the holidays and then left as quick as I had the money, um, mm-hmm. when I was yeah a teenager, basically. So yes, that's, yeah. I've, yeah. I have done a bit of traveling actually. Cause yeah, been to Cuba and did some solo travels. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess that has been kind of a bigger theme in my life than maybe I've given thought to. <laughs> but yeah. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> when you think about it, because you said that like boarding school, that was like um, under 18 uh, time in your life, like high school age. Yeah, so from like, um, 13 to 18. Yeah. Okay. So um, if I'm if I'm thinking about that, what kind of kid were you where you had all of these ambitions to go out and see other things or you were like i've been in this place for so long i want to see something new i want to explore like if you can describe to me what that kid was like how would you describe that i think if you ask my dad he'd say little (laughs) little prick but no i was quite (laughs) restless i think i was quite restless and quite I don't know. I guess I just thought, what's, I don't know. I just wanted to see what's out there. Um, and I think that's probably kind of reason why I'm very keen to connect with people, very keen, not really that fussed if things go wrong. Cause when you travel, things go wrong. Like if things aren't going wrong, then you're not really traveling and <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, that's my little brother. Um, yeah. Like you kind of get very used to stuff fucking up and Mm -hmm. like, you know, the bus doesn't turn up or you like, or I don't know. I remember hitchhiking. There was a guy, there was a lorry driver that kept falling asleep at the wheel and you had to like talk at him for him to stay awake. And there was like a lot of stuff that just goes wrong when you travel that probably gives you a sense of like, expect the, like just expect stuff to go wrong and, Mm -hmm. and, deal with things problems as they happen rather than oh my god this could go wrong like let's all let's plan for you know plan a b and c and just like just deal with it um Mm -hmm. to a certain extent which was probably quite helpful to yeah to kind of deal with freelancing (laughs) because stuff does go wrong a lot i find um Mm -hmm. unexpected things happen and situations change really fast with clients and whatever Mm -hmm. um and yeah, get 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 out your comfort zone and speak to random people the whole time because if you're solo traveling as well, like you kind of need to talk to people. Crazy. <laughs> so that means approaching strangers a lot. So yeah, yeah. What is solo traveling like? Because I've done a bit of solo travel, but I don't know if I could say that because um, I was traveling by myself, but there were people in that country that were expecting me. And we're going to take care of me and like get me a SIM card and things like that. Um, but what is real solo traveling like? I mean, I feel like I've I've teed myself up to be like this kind of bear grills character. <laughs> like I'm um, the solo traveling that I did in Cuba and um, Latin America. I, I guess the experience that I had is that. Solo traveling is really, really liberating because no one knows you and you can be whoever you want to be. But you can also be on your own whenever you want to be. So I think it's way less... I think solo traveling is quite misleading because it sounds like you're traveling alone. What I found is that people notice that you're alone and include you into their group Hmm. way more easily than if you're traveling with one other person, two other people, whatever. Um, Like if you're traveling with one other person you're kind of already in a group. So groups Mm -hmm. don't really incorporate you as much. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are also kind of tied at the hip to that other person. So if that other person wants to go and see something, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, we could, but maybe we should go and see this. Or like, Mm -hmm. 
I'd like to go with this group that this way and you want to go this way. And then, whereas when you're solo, you can kind of be like, yeah, cool. I'll travel with you for a bit. And then you might not, if you don't want, like you can just, you know, split from that group if you, if you want your own space. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really liberating because you can be around people if you want to be around people. You don't have to, if you don't want to, because you're, you know, not friends with anyone in the same way that you would with going with a friend from home or something. Mm -hmm. And it's really not as lonely as it's kind of as lonely as you want it to be, I would say as well. Um, I would also say that it's really healthy to just be with yourself for a bit. Like mm -hmm. there are times solo traveling when you're like, oh, fuck, I wish I had a like really good friend who just knew me and I could just, you know, I don't know, laugh at like a funny situation from home together mm -hmm. with or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's good to learn to be with yourself to a certain extent because, um, you know, people aren't always going to be um, there to make you laugh or there to provide you with your sense of self um, in the same way that, that kind of solo traveling, I find, yeah, helps you, helps you know who you are to a certain extent a little bit more and mm -hmm. gives you that sense of, self-esteem that I think you kind of need to to approach different people and um yeah I think it's a really really healthy experience is what I'm trying to say and it's not nearly as scary as it sounds That's yeah what it sounds like the perfect balance there would be having a friend who you are so um comfortable with that you can like share your quiet with them and you don't need to constantly fill space. You don't feel like you're connected at the hip. And also, like, you have your own interests and you're secure in them. So, like, if they want to go to museums all day and you want to go on a hike or want to go out with people that you met the night before, um, like, being able to cohabit but have your own lives, I feel like that's a perfect balance between those two things that you said. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think... Um it's quite hard to find someone like that. I would say like you might yeah. travel with your, your best friend, but you don't know them until you travel with them until mm -hmm. you, you know, smell their farts and you, know, <laughs> you, re you, re you really know who they are type thing when you, when you travel with someone I find. So I think that's quite, um, that would be quite hard to find, I would say, but, but yeah, I mean, if you, you have a friend that you can say, look, I'm going to go off for a week with these guys, you know, do whatever you want to do, come with, if you want, you don't have to. And that yeah. friend's like, yeah, cool. See you in a bit. And you meet when you want to meet and, you know, you might go and have your own solo traveling for a bit, or you might, you know, meet up with that friend after a couple of weeks and be like, how the heck, what have you been up to? I've been this yeah. way and you've been that way. And, you know, that would be, that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think solo traveling is, is, is good from the point of view of not having that fallback guy or mm -hmm. girl. Like it's actually by virtue of being alone, you kind of learn to be um, independent and think for yourself and not need, feel the need to, um, yeah, kind of rely on someone else. Um, and it is really, really liberating when no one knows you and you, you are just like, you can yeah. Be who who you want to be in that moment, and I'm not saying like I had all these different alter egos, but mm -hmm. I am Juan. Like I, I didn't. Want to be, <laughs> I'm 
stuff up. <laughs> but I just mean like, you know, people think of you as like the Emily that they know you in their certain time of life that they met you in. Like a primary school friend is going to know, see you completely differently than a, you know, a secondary school friend or a university friend or, mm-hmm. you know, someone that met you yesterday. And um, it's cool just to, you know, be whoever you want to be with that person that you've met in the moment who doesn't know you at all. Um, and crazy stuff happens. Like, yeah, I lived, I met this um, girl in Buenos Aires that I actually lived, I started kind of going out with her and I was like living in Buenos Aires for a bit. And that was a really interesting experience. And, and uh, yeah, like loads of crazy stuff happens when you sort of travel if you want it to. And I yeah. think that's really healthy. So, so yeah, I, I would recommend it. Huh. I'll let you know if I, if I get to do that. I think that would be, I think that'd be very, very cool. I, I would describe that as um good for the plot of my life. Good for the character development. If you can like see yourself in the third person. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think not enough people know how to be with themselves. Yeah. And they're looking for someone else to give them a sense of purpose and a sense of mm. fulfillment and happiness and stuff, um, which puts a hell of a lot of pressure on the other person. Yeah. And I think it would be really healthy if people spend some time with themselves more than they do, maybe. And I think solo traveling gives you that sense of perspective to a certain extent. So, yeah. I'm not trying to be like this wise old sage. (laughs) You know, some people, maybe it doesn't suit them, just like freelancing might not suit everyone, right? So um, I don't want to say, you should definitely do this, like 110%. (laughs) Like, you know, you know you better than I know you, right? But but yeah, in my experience, I found it really, really healthy. So yeah. Yeah. uh, I've just recently gotten to the maturity level where I can... uh, share my quiet with people um like sometimes I can say hey I I don't really have anything negative going on right now but I just want to be quiet for a bit and I just feel a little quiet is it okay if I'm quiet around you and the number of people that say yeah I don't care it's okay like you don't have to talk right now you we can just hang out near each other and it's not awkward and I don't think that you hate me or anything and but that's definitely a maturity level that I don't know maybe it's my frontal lobe developing um <laughs> but um I don't know I, I, I've gotten to that point um and I've also gotten to the point um of uh, so I watched this Instagram little stand-up clip and this guy said um i have a controversial opinion and i was like okay what's your controversial opinion looking at my phone and he said i think that a large part of a large number of relationships are like a sham and i'm like that's a very uh, strong opinion to have and he continued and he said um i feel like so many relationships are people employing other people to like love them when they don't take the time and the effort to spend time with themselves and sort things out and like have a strong foundation of taking care of themselves before they bring somebody else in. Because if you, if you have that strong foundation, you can, that, that other person is an addition to your life. Um, but if you don't have that strong foundation, it's almost like you, this person is a need, not a want. And those are the two points I've gotten to where like being able to share my quiet with somebody 
and being able to make somebody a want, not a need. Um, that's definitely 24 year old Emily milestone for sure. <laughs> that sounds really healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good. A friend of mine, um, he's, he, he, he finds it. Um, he, he says, Oh, I'd love, I'd love to go out with someone. Like I really want to go out with someone. And I asked him, why, why is that? Like, why do you want to go out with someone? And he says, well, you know, I'd really like to talk to someone about what's going on in my life. You know, I'd really, I really want to work things through with, you know, just chat to someone who supports me and stuff. And basically I I think he's looking for a therapist more than a partner. Mm. And, and that's not the partner's job. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, your partner, you know, you're going to face problems and yeah, of course, you're going to want to support each other. Yeah. But to, but to want to be with someone to talk to them about your problems, that is not, like, well, one, I don't know what energy that is going to give off, but I don't think that's necessarily going to attract anyone in the first place uh, mm-hmm. in the same way that someone who, who kind of um, maybe has loved themselves enough to try and um, work out those problems for them independently mm-hmm. i think would be healthy so mm-hmm. yeah i resonate with that i think we put a lot of pressure on our partners to cope with our problems when yeah. that is not their job or that is not like their main role as a partner when for some people in relationships it seems to be yeah so, yeah you, you try to you try to make somebody all of these things for you. You try to make them like, I want them to be my best friend. I want them to be this. I want them to be my number one supporter. I want them to be all of these things. And that's just a lot to put on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it also takes the... Yeah, it's like... It takes a lot away from the relationship. Mm. I would I would say as well, like it's... You're, you're not... If, if life just feels like a constant checklist with with your partner mm-hmm. <laughs> like a constant to-do list um then it's you yeah you're kind of uh you're putting a lot of pressure on your partner to support you like their goals are not your goals and like, mm-hmm. that's not their job to melissa talked about this melissa mendez mm-hmm. she was like your partner's goals are not the same as your goals and that's okay. Like you have your stuff going on. They have their stuff going on. Yes. There's definitely going to be times when you need to support each other, but that is not their primary role. Um, that's kind of where 27 year old Jack is at with his thoughts there. But if I listen mm-hmm. back to this, maybe in 10, 20 years time, <laughs> I mean, that would be very narcissistic, not narcissistic. What's the word? Uh, self, self-absorbed maybe to listen back to this conversation and be like, <laughs> What was what was twenty seven year old Jack? <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe I'll disagree with myself in a few years' time. But that's kind of where my head's at right now. I, I listen back to things that I've recorded um, for sure. Um, okay, well then it's not self absorbed. <laughs> completely normal. <laughs> yeah, like um, uh, some uh, the solo episodes that I've done, I've listened back on them uh, a couple of times um, just to kind of check in with who I was at that point. And um, also, uh, sometimes I think things over and and I, I return to something before making a decision because I, I don't want to be impulsive. I don't want to be 
rash or anything like that. And I listened back on some of those. And I'm like, yeah, I was, I think that was the right thing to say. I think that was the right uh, thought process that I needed at the time. Um, and it's really nice that I have these little time capsules of like who I was at that time, because memory is such a weird thing. Um, I can try to explain to somebody how I was feeling in a moment, or I could try to remember. Um, but it's so nice to just put it somewhere and then I can move on with my life. And if I ever want to like hear the tone of my voice at that time period of my life, I can just return to it and it's there and it's on Spotify. Yeah, that's the, that's the weirdest thing I think about doing podcasting or, yeah. or YouTube stuff. It's kind of like, um, yeah, that was you that day, that time, that recording. Yeah. And anyone anywhere can see that, um, which is the craziest concept. Um, <laughs> and also such a recent phenomenon as well. Like, you know, since internet, like what's that? 20 years, 30 years? Mm-hmm um of people being able to do that and now there's just this catalog of our voices through sound waves <laughs> on this distribution <laughs> network that anyone can search and find like that is such a mental concept in my head mm -hmm. yeah kind of creepy um <laughs> yeah because you can't yeah. do that with phone calls um no. like i'm sure that there are phone calls throughout my life that I would love to re-listen to. Um, but like, I don't have those, but I have like a, I have t two hours with all of these friends of mine. Um, and sometimes multiple because we would do multiple episodes. So it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's lovely. And you, you have the same thing with being able yeah. to go back and, and yours also, also often has video. So yeah. that's also cool too. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's, uh, I, well, yeah, I don't think I've thought about this as deeply as you because you've been doing this way longer um but yeah very true it's kind of, it's pretty it's pretty weird the whole thing's kind of crazy <laughs> you know this whole like you can see yourself on that day a year ago and stuff that's yeah wild but um but yeah it, it is nice because i think you know naturally you do grow and change the more people you speak to who mm -hmm. you know the I think the host or uh, sorry, the role of a host of a podcast is it's less about the host and you're, what you're trying to do is kind of draw out the nuggets of mm -hmm. the, the guest. Right. But, mm -hmm. um, but naturally, you know, you as the host get, um, a lot of ideas and, you know, thoughts challenged and stuff by the guests that you have on. And then and those thoughts kind of weirdly morph into your own thoughts. I find like I might say my thought, or what I think is my thought to someone else. And I'm like, wait, didn't I just steal that from Yaya in episode seven or whatever? You know, <laughs> like it's so weird how like uh, yeah. you know, you're, you're influenced by your, by your experiences and, and having these like very regular conversations with really impressive people does, um, yeah, it does really shape you in a weird way. So yeah, that's the other thing I find quite interesting about it. And, and also just having, um, all these people that have different backgrounds than mine and often people are very ambitious. And so they've done totally different things because I don't know, Webflow and web design is like kind of a new thing. So often people have whole previous lives to tell me about their, I don't know, childhood or, uh, like for you with, with, with Spanish and Portuguese and travel, like that's a whole other life for you. Um, yeah. and I just think that that's, that's really cool. 
Yeah, it is. It is cool. It's it's like to be honest though, Emily, like most people don't really ask or they're not as interested in me as you as you are. And I know that's like the form of the <laughs> podcast, but it's just funny that like you're as interested in that part of my life. Um you know, as you are, because I think most people just are like, eh, what are you doing now? Like, what's you now? Nah. Um, it's really, really nice. It's really nice to, yeah, talk about that with someone. But, um, but yeah, so thanks for being interested. Absolutely. Well, one thing that I, I remembered while we were talking about being able to re-listen to old episodes and things like that, I recently uh, found a whole bunch of childhood photos of myself and so I now have them up in my apartment because um, I didn't have any childhood photos of myself before. Um, and sometimes I look back on this little girl and like she had bangs and um, she was very outgoing. And um, did I ever tell you the, the beach story of like the, the kind of personality that I had? OK, mm -hmm. so um, uh, anyway, so uh, there's this story apparently that there was this girl that I wanted to be my friend. Um, and she did not want to be my friend, but I was so self-confident as this little kid that I, instead of being hurt or, um, feeling left out or something like that, she just, I just felt like there was something legitimately wrong with her that she didn't want to be my friend. Wow. <laughs> and so I was like concerned. I was like, are you okay? Like, why wouldn't you want to be my friend? And so I, I have this photo of myself from that age. And sometimes I look at all of these old photos and all of these old, like, visual stuff. And um, I think, wow, like, I'm that same person. Like, I don't feel like that person. I feel like I've changed so much. So I don't know, when, when you listen to old vid video or audio or look at photos, I don't know. It's just such an interesting thing to see. I'm the same person, but everything feels so different now. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like that. Like every six months, I look back. Yeah. And like, wow, I was so dumb. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to carry on. I mean, a hundred percent, that's going to carry on for well, probably till the end. But um, but yeah, it's it's wild how much you change while still being the same person. Well, like the same name of person. Yeah. Um, you know, people know you as this version that they met you in and then they might not see you for a couple of years. They're like, oh, wow, you're doing something completely different now. It's like, how did that happen? And I'm like, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's really funny. Um, You told me about uh, the kind of kid you were around like the high school, 15 years old, 16 years old age. Um, And you said you said your dad was would call you like a little bit of like a menace. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the context behind that? My, I think my family found me quite difficult because I was quite, um, I, yeah, like I said, I was quite restless and maybe mm. I was like, I thought there was more out there type thing. And mm. I was like, my dad's quite a big reader. And so mm -hmm. he would, he would say, Jack, the cheapest way to travel is a good travel book. Mm. You know, read, read about someone else um, traveling. That's so that's way cheaper than traveling there. And how did you feel about that advice? Well, I, yeah, I mean, probably like your face said, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was like, well, no, it's not as good. 
uh, <laughs> like I can't feel the sun. Well, I well, I mean, I guess you kind of can if you're. It's a really well written book. You can kind of feel the sensations. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I was like, no, I will go there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he was. He he's always been kind of challenging. Yeah, challenging my ideas in a healthy way. Um, and kind of second, you know, asking me, pushing and prodding, being like, hmm, mm-hmm. is, that, is that right? And, and stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's very academic and he kind of wants to, he's very inquisitive and will mm-hmm. like push, push you to explain why you want to make decisions in a healthy way. Yeah. But I think I used to get really frustrated by that mm-hmm. um, because I felt like I was getting second guessed. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're both quite stubborn and um yeah we kind of butted heads quite a lot when i was younger and a lot less so now but yeah i guess all of this to say is that you know he he uh i think he said essentially you don't need to travel like and i was just like right i'm gonna do it now you've said that i didn't or or don't need to even though he's traveled loads so you know, come on. Where, where, why do you think I want to go traveling? Like, <laughs> there's all these cool stories that you haven't read about, but actually going to live. But yeah, no, he he's very supportive, and I think we've now got a better, maybe not a better relationship. Like we always had yeah. a good relationship. I'm making it out yeah. like he was like this terrorizing dad. He really wasn't at all. It's just, um, yeah, I think you know we had kind of big arguments like you do when you're a teenager maybe with your yeah. parents and uh, growing pains yeah and you're like you know you're trying to have your own opinions but you're also not really able to kind of follow through with them because you don't have any money and you have the, <laughs> you're kind of like still at school and like, what to do the whole time and then you come home you're getting told what to do and you kind of push back and mm-hmm. um, yeah i i think looking back i was probably quite quite annoying as a teenager but hopefully i'm better now maybe i'm still just as annoying but yeah since i'm since i'm on the podcast i will say i'm less annoying maybe if my my dad came in now he'd be like yeah he's fucking annoying Uh, and um uh how would your your mom describe you at that age um i mean probably kind of a lot of the words i just used restless yeah stubborn I like I wasn't like a horrible teenager though I, yeah as in like I was you know polite and all of that stuff uh yeah I'd like to think I think I was just quite like um yeah, yeah kind of hungry to just travel and not really focusing on I don't know what I had rather than what I wanted to have um mm. like I, I I was yeah like I've talked about in in this podcast I guess I'm I was very fortunate to have um you know, great childhood, great family, like all of that stuff was all the kind of fundamental things. I was, I was insanely lucky, but I was like, I want to travel like the whole time. <laughs> um, and that must've been quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't really thinking too much about the future as well. That was probably quite not concerning for my parents, but probably mm. like, you know, I was doing a lot of waitering and like just getting any like quick money I could to book flights somewhere. And that was probably quite, like, you should probably think about your future more than you have, Jack. And then, but actually that's kind of informed the, f- the present that I now have because yeah. I think I wanted to have a job that I could work anywhere from. Um, 
and I guess I have quite like a people person related um job to a certain extent with well I wouldn't call it a job but you know um with this podcast and Mm-hmm. Um, and freelancing generally like it's very much how do you manage talk talking to people um and can you yeah can you can you listen to them and, and actually hear what they say rather than just you know just listen to know what the context of the conversation is about like actually hear what they yeah. mean um so i guess yeah, I followed my nose and now I'm here. And hopefully mum didn't find me too annoying as a teenager. <laughs> she probably did. My my growing pains were um probably more in college. Like I, I was um I think birth order is kind of a funny thing sometimes, um, where uh where you fall. So you're you're a middle child. Um I'm the oldest of three. Um and so I never really wanted too much attention uh put on me i was never really a, a problem uh, i very much kept to myself um uh yeah like didn't i i was very focused on school like my parents didn't have to worry they didn't even like know what my grades were because they were like emily's not something we need to be concerned about um she she can take care of herself like like a lot of oldest children they um i don't know about your older brother but like very much like uh you try to be very independent um and not all of the attention is put on you but you're like the one to do everything first so there's a bit of attention there um but uh once i went to college and i wasn't in that environment any anymore i was like nobody can tell me what to do now and like i can like be adventurous and do all of these different things and like there were growing pains there for sure um but uh yeah i don't know i don't know what it's like to be a middle child it's, I mean, you're the ham to the sandwich. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're the, well, I've, in my experience, like you're not, um, I think my parents were just like, oh, Jack's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway. Like he's kind of just like, let's just let him try and work things out. And, you know, he's, he's, I don't know, surviving. So that's all good. Um, whereas my older brother, I think, yeah, he kind of like you, you're like maybe your experience, he was, um, kind of laying the foundations for me to be able to do stuff quicker than I would have been able to maybe mm-hmm. uh, by like going first and um, and then my little brother you know he he's he's the he's very good he's very academic and um, I'd say he's probably like well I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's 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 really ambitious, but he's like quietly mm. ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I feel awkward talking for them. That's um, fine. But yeah, the the being the ham to the sandwich is kind of cool because you're, yeah, you know, like I found if I annoyed Matt, I could go to talk to Bill and you know, <laughs> and also <laughs> mom and dad were like, Ugh. like I distinctly remember booking flights to Cuba and um I just said no. Book flies to Cuba. My dad was like, "Uh, when are you?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jack's gonna do his own thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, like oh, fuck it, <laughs> like, <laughs> like just good luck, good luck out there type thing. But um, but yeah, no, it's funny. I I haven't really thought about kind of how we all our different experiences of of childhood and stuff. I mean, I would say though that we we are all really close. Like Matt and Bill were a huge part of this. Um, 
Webflow London meetup a couple of days ago. Um, Lovely. Like Matt was, he was the photographer and the pizza eater and <laughs> and just generally he got so involved and then my little brother was um helping with the sound and um just generally like helping everything work like he helped me put up the sign and he was also like really good at talking to everyone and stuff so um yeah we're really really close even though we're all quite different characters i would say um, yeah but yeah yeah we we i think yeah, we 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 know each other. We look very different, but we sound exactly the same. Really? Um, yeah, it's quite. <laughs> um, but everyone was like, "Wait, you guys are brothers?" And they couldn't work out who the oldest one was because my little brother looks—he's <laughs> like six foot five, and I'm just like this stubby little thing. And yeah, we all look quite different. But anyway, um, we're we're really close, which is really nice. Yeah, my sisters and I look very different as well. We all look vaguely Italian, but like our our faces are all very different. And so uh, I remember um, there was one time my my youngest sister. This might be funny to say, but it happens, so I'm just gonna say it. My my youngest sister gets um, extremely tan, and she's like uh, she has dark features, and she is very like Italian looking. And um, so uh, um, my family is like half. Uh, british half italian but like been in america forever um and so it was funny we were leaving an event and um uh this person came up to our group and so it was it was my family and then our our best friends who were indian um and so they're like oh it's nice to meet you and they thought that my youngest sister was part of the indian family um which i thought was hilarious because <laughs> she was like she was at, like uh she had her like august um like super tan like she's been at the pool all day every day and so they they genuinely thought that my youngest italian sister um was part of the indian family which i thought was kind of funny we're like no she's she's part of our group um we're very good friends but that is not their child that's so crazy <laughs> yeah okay me Matt, and bill don't look that different <laughs> but, but yeah we yeah that's that's really interesting why do yeah. you, like it's so crazy how genetics works though like you yeah know, if your parents look quite different and then all the kids are like potentially you know very different body shapes <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's really odd but yeah no i i mean family's such a big part of your podcast which i think is so interesting so can i ask you a question sure so, you know when you talk about other people and mm -hmm. you know so you talked about your sister there and like I never ever talk about Matt and Bill really. On yeah. The, well, like I talk about Bill because he edits the podcast, so I normally mm -hmm. apologize to Bill because I've fucked something up. Like, <laughs> do you feel like you ever feel self conscious that you're talking about other people mm. as openly as you as you are on quite like a public medium? Mm. And then I know you never talk disparagingly about anyone. Like you're very positive, and you you tell stories that are obviously like you know no one would take offense to them, but. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think like, ooh, do I want to talk about that as publicly? Mm. As, I don't know. What do you feel about that? That's a good question. I think that, I think a good rule of thumb is don't tell a story that you wouldn't tell in front of them at a party. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you think that the story that you're going to tell is something that they'd be totally comfortable with you telling in an any sort of public manner, maybe in front of like 20 people, 
then mm-hmm. it's okay to talk in podcasts. But like, if you think that um, they wouldn't want you to tell that story at a party, then either take it out if you've already said it, or um, don't don't say it. Okay. Yeah. Good rule of thumb. Especially if the information's already public, like they already posted about it somewhere, or like I don't know, it's a story that maybe my mother has told a million times. Um, yeah, that's my You're rule right of thumb. That's fair. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, just just sound checking for me. On like, I wanted to just ask how you deal with that, and that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be good moving forward. I'm I hope Matt and Bill win it. I I I'm pretty sure they won't listen to blabbering <laughs> on here, but um, yeah, just checking. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's a good rule of thumb. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I wanted to hear a little bit more about your life. Um, in the in the transition from um like leaving school and and Porto because I think that's that's probably a really interesting part of your life and when I was graduating from college I was not excited at all I I I was like I don't know what's next after this um uh, I don't have anything lined up like everything's so scary and uncertain um so like what was that for you oh I was buzzing to leave I <laughs> yeah I I think I found uni a little bit frustrating just because I thought I was going there to learn um, languages, and um, mm-hmm. I actually found that you know when I when I was actually in the country of the language, I was learning a lot more. What a surprise! Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cool. I want to go and now live abroad and learn languages. <laughs> um, yeah. So. So yeah, I guess I, um, to be honest, like the final year of uni, when obviously everyone was trying to try and get like grad schemes and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do graphic design ASAP because else I'm not going to have it. Like I wasn't planning on doing anything else in Portugal than freelancing, mm-hmm. even though I had no experience of freelancing apart from trying to make this website for House Jam and yeah, trying to like create banners and flyers and stuff to try and <laughs> rent out speakers and lights to poor students. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I was like tr- doing freelancing courses in my final year. Um, I remember friends were like, "What are you doing? Like, you mm-hmm. ne- you need to pass these exams, and you're like, we need to get our languages degree." And I was like, "This is not a degree. This is a sham." We need it. We need to learn skills for real life. Like I mm-hmm. need to get some skill sets uh, because this degree is not going to cut it. Um, I mean, they've all gone on to do great things, by the way. Just to yeah. Be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, okay, I want to try and get a skill set that I can do abroad. So yeah, moved to Porto. Uh, Porto found this really shit flat that was <laughs> the cheapest thing I can fl- find for like two hundred and fifty euros a month for like this wow. Shit. Yeah, Porto's so cheap. Really? It's, a, it's such a good place. It's an awesome city to live if you are poor. Like <laughs> I was at the time. I mean, I hope that's not offensive to say. No, 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 yeah. Cheaper than the UK to live. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I moved there and yeah, had this tiny room that was insanely cheap and tried to make it work. What I found though is that one, I wasn't very good at freelancing. Like I didn't have a very good skill set at that point because I hadn't done a lot of design and I hadn't, mm-hmm. um, I also just 
had no freelance experience. Like I just was winging it so big, like watching Christo videos all the time, mm-hmm. you know, just like doing Udemy courses, mm-hmm. um, domestic courses. Like, like I was trying to learn while also trying to get work. And I think it would have been far better is it if I had some kind of agency job, even if it was like a very junior thing, like just to learn from people that had way more experience than me. Um, but no, I was going to go to Porto and just try and freelance and it was all a bit chaotic. Uh, and I ended up, I, <laughs> I made this YouTube channel um, called, I think it was called the, yeah, it was called the Creative Book Club. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was to essentially show how much I was learning from these books by making videos about them Mm-hmm. At, in order to try and get client work, which was the dumbest thing, because which client is going to look at a guy who's read a book and explains the summary of the book in a video and then hire them to do creative work? Like, that's just the weirdest way anyone would go about hiring anyone. So so I, I didn't get any work from that. I put loads of time into making these YouTube videos mm-hmm. to show off what I was learning, essentially, um, rather than doing. Anyway, I tried to get a job in this agency. Uh, in Porto, because freelancing, I realized I was like, I have no money and I, I, I don't know how to freelance and I should go and learn from someone better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to get a job in an agency, but none of the agencies were responding to my emails and I was calling them and I was like, hola. And I was just this English guy in Porto and everyone was like, who the fuck are you and stuff. So <laughs> what I did was I went to this uh, Portuguese bakery and I bought the biggest cake I could get. and. In rice paper, I printed my QR code to my website, like on the rice paper. And I brought the cake to this office of this agency that's still there in Porto. And uh, yeah, and I just turned up with this cake. And they were like, and there was this buzzer. I didn't really think this through, as you can tell. But there was a buzzer and I was holding this huge cake. And I was like, I can't even get into the building. So I had to buzz the buzzer. And they were like, who is it? And I was like, delivery and they were like for who and i was like uh the boss (laughs) (laughs) so so i got and then they buzzed me through and then i came into this uh like reception area this really cool agency and uh and i met the decision maker straight away from this ploy which was good because i obviously met the person that could potentially hire me straight away Mm -hmm. but it looked so weird because i was standing in the hallway of this lobby with a box that looked like a bomb this this white box and he looked at me and he was just like what are you doing like who are you what do you want and I was like uh I'm Jack and I've got a present for you and he was like what who are you and so I had this like big cake and I put it down and I opened it I was like it's a cake and he was like why like what are you doing (laughs) um but you know he scanned the QR code and he was like this is a really creative way of trying to get a job like I appreciate it and you know, he was really nice about it. Never heard anything back from him after I left, though. I was like, damn, Ugh. my cake plan um, failed. I but love your cake plan idea. It's sweet. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not. I, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I learned that I needed to have, yeah, some kind of real agency experience before um, or successfully freelancing. Um, and that was a huge lesson learned so i was like living in portugal running out of money admittedly in a very 
you know, beautiful place, but it's hard to enjoy somewhere if you don't have consistent cash flow and you're mm-hmm. feeling like you've got low self-esteem, you don't mm-hmm. you don't know anyone in the city. The yeah. Portuguese is pretty bad considering you've been to university for that long to look, to like study it. And I was just yeah. there like, oh, this is such a fail. So yeah, came back, tail between my legs and uh, actually got a job at my old university as, as in the university I left, uh, Newcastle. And it, it was a marketing job mm-hmm. and learned a lot there about, you know, SEO and website stuff that really helped me with my freelancing. So yeah. If there's anything that you could say to that version of you um, in Porto, like when you were deciding, okay, now I have to go home, um, this didn't pan out how I was expecting it to pan out. Is there anything that you would say to him? Oh, yeah. I would say that um, I was trying to do too much at the same time. Like every, mm. it was all, it was all like one big, I want to live and work abroad and I want to freelance. I just read the four hour work week, like in mm. the final year of uni, which I'm pretty sure like loads of, you know, Wevlers have read, but um, essentially the book is like, you don't have to work for the man. You can live, you can carve out your own life. Just use mm-hmm. the internet type thing. Mm-hmm. It's quite like a, like, I don't know, bro, bro energy. <laughs> um, and I think I, I really believed it. I was like, this is easy. All I need to do, I tried drop shipping and all of that type of stuff before, um, but that didn't work. And then I found out about, you know, freelance, freelancing and graphic design. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I can make stuff for a living and it's fun and I can make, you know, mm-hmm. work with work with people. It's very people-facing. And mm-hmm. and I just thought I could do it. And and I was so naive. And not only did I think I could do it, I thought I could do it while in a country that I knew no one. And, you know, frankly, my Portuguese was so bang average that mm-hmm. I struggled to communicate, you know, with, with my flatmates, let alone get a job in that language. Like it was all just... Mm-hmm just insanely naive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I would say to old Jack version of Jack or younger version of Jack is, is what I should have said. Um, you don't get paid for being enthusiastic. You get paid for being valuable to someone else. And you and I had no value at that point and and Mm. it takes time to create you know a depth of skill set that's worth that's worth something to someone and um and i definitely think it would have been better to have a depth of skill set and then you know live and work abroad like i am about to do because i've spent a couple of years freelancing and now i'm like okay i've got enough of a skill set that i can you know and have enough um Mm -hmm. cash flow currently that freelancing is is I, I i have a little bit more experience than i do and, and i can live and work abroad now yeah but at that time i was literally trying to just do everything and it was just insane so yeah i would say jack you know you're being an idiot just <laughs> get us get a depth of skill set and uh and then live and work abroad i would also say living in paradise but not having any money is shit you know like it's not this whole like working on a beach from your laptop thing yeah 
it's it's bullshit. Like mm. you get sand in your laptop. Like <laughs> like you need you need to you need to enjoy the yeah. the living abroad. Yeah, and that, and that costs money, but you can't like live live abroad in a place that's really nice and and not have any money and try and like enjoy it while you know you want to socialize and socializing mm-hmm. costs and and it's really hard to socialize when you're stressed out of your mind mm-hmm. about how much the drink costs in the bar you're in or whatever <laughs> like it's it's not it's not easy um living abroad and trying to like work abroad and trying to understand taxes and all of that stuff mm-hmm. if you don't have um a plan and some kind of consistent consistent income which comes from a depth of skill set so yeah that's what i would say I think it's very valuable. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 that's just my my take on it. I know that there are people who are like, they kind of just make it work uh, mm. straight out the gate, from living and working abroad. But in my experience, I um, yeah, I was trying to take on take on too much without really knowing what the hell I was doing at any of the the kind of basic fundamental levels that you kind of need. So. Yeah. I think that it's also important to give yourself a little grace of uh, you really don't know what you don't know. So like you have all this wisdom now, but like you did not have that at that age. So it's totally unfair uh, to even say like, dude, you were so dumb because like y- you really didn't know what you didn't know. So y- yeah, you're doing the you best with the that. information that you had. I mean, it was it was pr- like anyone at my age like any of my mates who yeah. you know saw me before I left were like wow this is pr- that, that's really cool Jack but that's do you think that, like that's that's a lot like it's pretty, <laughs> it's going to be you're quite naive like I don't know that's <laughs> and I was just like I think the more people that said that the more I was like fuck it I'm doing this mm, I'm going to mm. I'm going to make it work and that's the mm-hmm. other thing that I think really I I would have told old Jack is like you you great you know other people have said you can't do it and you think you can, so you're going to do it, but you don't need to like, it's okay to admit you're wrong as well. I think I came back and I was like, I was so ashamed. I feel, Mm. I I think there was like a huge sense of like guilt and shame to say to, you know, my dad, Oh yeah, you were right. Mm. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, that was, that was dumb, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. Mm. And like, I think that was the other thing about it that, um, but having said all that, met some mm-hmm. great people. I'm still in contact with people that I met during that time. And, um, you know, it was a cool experience and, and stuff. Um, like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't not do it, even though it sounds a bit counterintuitive to say that, but after what I've just said. But, like, it was an amazing experience. It was also really stupid. <laughs> and uh, And, yeah, I definitely think if anyone's thinking about like living and working abroad, it would be it. It's good to have a little bit of a one depth of skill set, two little bit of cash flow, mm-hmm. uh, in order to um, actually enjoy the experience of living and working abroad. Yeah, and so when we talk about like the the past of, uh, in, in your life, and then we talk about what it's like to, where you are now. Um, when you look at the the future as we're, this will be the last question I ask you. Um, and when we look at the future, like the next couple months, maybe the next year, is there anything that you're like 
specifically like looking forward to like short term or long term? I know there's there's all of this uh, travel and all of the, these opportunities, but like when you look forward to the next year or so, what do you think about? I think I've been lucky to have met enough amazing people that like I've got a bit of a network now and I feel like opportunities are now like there's so many interesting things happening that I'm really open to in -hmm. a way that I was definitely open to a year ago but I definitely didn't have that kind of um those inbound opportunities that that are now happening Mm -hmm. um and I'm really, really excited to continue to do Webflail, continue to meet amazing people, and um, and to have like a bit of a path now. Like I can see my um, compass direction a lot more than I did. I think I was kind of trying loads of stuff, trying and failing before a lot more than I am now with webflail for example because i feel like i've I've got something that's got really good momentum and i'm really enjoying it and other people are enjoying it and that fills me with excitement for the year ahead um and then in terms of i guess living and working abroad i mean god yeah i'm i'm excited but i'm also yeah a little nervous that the last experience that I just told you about, you know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe there's a lot of things that I haven't haven't thought through properly. <laughs> um, but I'm but I'm I'm more I'm I'm as um I'm as well prepared as I'll ever be to to go and live and work abroad now than like you know I, I'm at a stage where I've got some income coming in. I've got uh, no real responsibilities. Like I'm kind of like a big kid at this stage of my life rather than an mm-hmm. adult, I would say. Like I don't really, you know, my parents, I don't need to look after them at mm-hmm. this stage of my life like I will do in the next decade probably. I don't know if I, that's okay saying that. I hope they don't yeah, listen to this podcast. That's fine, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I just want a big change and I think that's the big the big change that's coming in the next well next next weekend i'm flying to bordeaux and starting this whole oh my god different places so pretty random but this is a really you- weird time to record this podcast <laughs> because i'm just like yeah this whole big change is about to happen and you're the first person i've really talked to about it so yeah i'm very honored hey i hope um some of the stuff i've said has been interesting for anyone who's listened and and yeah thanks for thanks for asking me all these questions that are very thought provoking it's really it's weird that this is like on the other foot because normally i ask questions <laughs> that put people like you know in thinking mode but yeah yeah it's really it's really funny the other way around so thanks for doing this i uh um i'm always so comfortable in this seat but i'm always so uncomfortable in your seat even though i do this to people multiple times a week I, it's it's very hypocritical that i get very nervous or qu- 